Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. Forget that you're in church. Forget that you're sitting there and I'm up here. You know, this is not me trying to give you some information to convince you to believe what I'm about to tell you. You know what I mean? This is not me, this is not you detached from what we're going to talk about today, deciding whether or not it was a good sermon. Not that you do that. Today, just as much as you can, just, we're just sitting here talking, but we're going to talk about your life and talk about you for a little bit. So I want you to take this personally. I want you to take it to heart. And I want you to do a, a, an in-depth evaluation of some of these, these things that we're going to look at, not to judge yourself, not to try to find where you're missing it, not to any of that, that. You know, this is not an introspective exercise to find out where you're not doing enough. But this is going to be a conversation about where am I limiting God? And what would it look like if I weren't limiting God? Specifically, in your health, in your finances, in your relationships, in walking out your call. Whatever areas of, the, of life you're involved in, I want to kind of help you look at those areas in light of what would they look like if I let God have his way in that area. All right? So again, I'm not just trying to give you some information. Let's, have a, let's chat a little bit. <clears throat> so I'd like for you to answer that question. And this might be some homework that you do. Again, please keep in mind as you... Because what we're talking about is you in your life, in the expression of your own Christianity, what degree do you want to engage God and experience transformation? Is it come to church and hear some good messages and, you know, it doesn't, it's not much beyond that? Is it, oh, man, I've really got some issues and I want to change. I don't want to be this way. And so you're going to take this stuff to heart and whatever it takes for you to get in agreement with God's transformative power, you're going to make those shifts. Is it, I'm going to do that and I want to, I want to walk this path of fulfilling my call. You know, I want to, I want to know I want to be confident that I'm doing what God has asked me to do on this planet. Whatever level it is, you know, we're going to have the, the conversation on that level because this information applies universally. So I would love for you to do this exercise this week and, and you just kind of do this yourself. Break down the areas of your life. Break down the areas. Now, don't let this be heavy. You know, this is a type of thing where you ever take a course and you're like, I know this is going to be difficult, but this is going to help me. This is going to get me to a place where I'm experiencing success, and I'm, I'm moving forward, and I'm, going to, I'm, getting, I'm, I'm tired of this. I'm, I'm getting over it. Yeah, that's what I want you to look at. But it's a lifelong journey. <laughs> it's not just a one-week thing. So take the time to look at the different sections of your life and ask this question. What would my finances look like if I were out of the way and God could just touch my finances and have unhindered influence over my finances, what would that look like? 
If God could touch my job, my relationships, my health, whatever it is, whatever the areas are, that you, however you want to break that down, ask yourself that question. What would this look like if God had total influence, total exposure over this? What would it look like? That's a revealing question because what this question does is it, it kind of reveals to you how you see God. It, it will reveal to you what you think the character of God is. What I mean by that is, let's say health, okay? If you were to answer that question, what would my health look like if God had his unhindered, total free will to touch my health, what would it look like? I'd be a marathon runner. You'd be a marathon runner. Because some people would put in there, well, you know, I might be sick sometimes because God needs me to be sick and not get too prideful and learn a lesson. You remember Paul and his thorn, right? Paul was brought down because he's been to, well, the thorn was people, not sickness. That's a whole other topic, but anyway. Do you think that if God could just touch your health, would you have perfect, optimal health? Would your body just function the way that it was designed to function? What do you think it would look like? How do you answer that question? Then look at your emotions. What would my emotional state of being be like if I just let God influence my emotions? What would that look like? Because, see, sometimes you have to get a picture of it before you can actually think, number one, that it's even possible, and number two, begin to actually believe that it can manifest into your life. But you got to deal with how you see God in the process. you got to deal with what do I think the character of God is, health, finances, relationships, whatever. And then when you see that picture of what it would look like if he had his influence, start there, then move backward into your life. But still try to keep the perspective that this is God's will for my health. This is God's will for my finances. This is God's will because we know that his will is perfection in the garden, co-laboring with mankind in between the garden and eternity. That's why it looks like the way that it does now. And then perfection in eternity. That's the will of God, perfection. In between is us walking in a co-laboring with him. Now, we talk about that a lot. but <clears throat> So when you step backwards away from what would this look like if God just had his way, Keep that as your perspective. Keep that as your focus, almost as if you get new eyes and you can see that situation the way God sees it. Now, you letting yourself being willing to see it is the first step. A lot of times we just can't see it. We just don't see, we don't see any alternatives. We don't see any other options other than the ones that we're looking at that are right there in front of us. So we're talking about just being willing to see things differently. <clears throat> when God talks about transformation throughout scriptures, it has everything to do with what you look at. Don't look at what you can see. Look at what you can't see. The things that are true, lovely, good report, think on these things. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Uh, uh, to be carnally minded is death. To be, to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I mean, everything about the quality of life that God wants to give us filters through the way we think and what we believe. And it's the hardest thing to do to change 
what you are even willing to believe, what you even think is possible. But then you got passages like Jesus said, all things are possible for those who believe. So what you want to do is put eyes of limitless possibility in your head and see the world that way. But start with God. What would it look like? I kind of have this picture of God in us like a big searchlight. You ever seen those big round lights and they're just, you can't even look at them. They're so bright, you know. But he's, but he's emanating in every direction to that degree of brightness. And every area that he touches is just flooded with light. And that's in you. And the only areas that his light are not touching are the areas where you are limiting that light, the areas where you are holding on to things, the areas where, for whatever reason, you're not letting God have his influence on your world around you. See, because I think the nature of God is life. The nature of God is to tend toward health and righteousness, peace, and joy. When God touches something, it has the opportunity to respond, and because of how he influences things, it's going to tend toward life. It just will. That's the nature of what things do when they encounter God. That's the kind of influence that he has. So if you look at your health, and it's not tending toward life, maybe there's some things in my, in my heart that I, that I don't believe about what God can do in my health. Maybe he's actually speaking to me about the way that I eat or the way... Maybe he's speaking to me about the way that I eat or the way... I don't want to look at anybody, you know, what I'm talking. <clears throat> That's just how I see God. He's given us everything that pertains unto life and godliness. All his promises are yes and amen. All things are possible for those who believe... He lives within you. He's bound himself to you. He has married himself to you spiritually. It is an eternal mystery that God is your husband, as it says in Isaiah 54. So there's no limitation other than what we're allowing to let him do in our lives. I think Scripture validates that. I, you know, Some people have difficulty of seeing God that way because I think they start from the carnal perspective and try to move toward the spiritual perspective, rather than starting with spirit, because that's what's true, and then going backwards. So here's what we do. We like, you know, maybe if every believer believes that God's influence would create, would, the product would be heaven, but then we take a step backwards and we say, well, it's not because this. Well, you got one denomination there. And then they take another step back. Well, it's not that because this. So you got another denomination. That's why we got 40,000 different denominations, I think, because we answer the question, why is it not happening 40,000 different ways? Think about it. The, all the things that divide us as believers is not what's heaven going to be like. It's not the general substitutionary idea of what Jesus did at the cross. It's what's going on in this life. That's what divides us. And then we attribute all these ifs and whys and buts and ands to God, thinking that, okay, well, my health is not optimal because God needs me to suffer a little bit. You know, let's throw some asceticism in here. Let me, let me go through some difficulty because when I go through the difficulty, I learn. 
You see, now, and I've heard, well, you see, I, I, I lost my job and I went broke and I lost everything I had. But man, I'm telling you what, God showed up in the middle of that. And what happened was, you see, I learned how to do this and God came and taught me right in the middle of it. So what he did was he put me through that so that I would learn. You know, like I said last week, the scripture calls that a fool. It's like, okay, if you want to learn that way, so you, you'd rather be a fool than apply instruction and avoid all of that. Well, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. Yes, but not between you and God and not personally within your own heart and emotions, even though some external difficulties might come upon you. But when you see through unlimited eyes, even though this one specific issue may not be working out the way that it is, because God's unlimited, it's like, okay, well, that door's closed. God's got something else for me. Let's just go this way. It's not that God's closing the door. It's just that the world shuts doors. So we're in this place of, man, we are, we are uh, Sam's going to tell you a little bit about a book that we're putting on special that Jim Richards wrote called Wired for Success, Programmed for Failure. When you receive the Spirit of God, you are re-hardwired with a new heart. You've give, been given the mind of Christ to, to, to interact with this world and live in this world as Jesus. Not just as Jesus would do things, but as Jesus, because you've got his spirit. Now, you're not Jesus. You're not going to be the Messiah. You, you know what I'm saying. I hope. <laughs> but living as if you've got the same anointing and same power that he does. But so you're wired for success, but programmed for failure. We add all this new programming in there. And really, it's just a bunch of limitations. It's just a bunch of stuff of why we think God's not showing up and doing what we think we deserve. You know, I, I really would love, I think that the way that we judge God and the way that we are constantly trying to attribute why it's not happening is actually still eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We're still looking at what God says is possible, and then we're looking at our lives, and we run that through our capacity to judge between the knowledge of good and evil. Then we come up with all kinds of things, and we either judge ourselves or we judge God, rather than just saying, you know what, I don't need to judge anything. I can just look at what God says. and is... See, here's the battle, not try to get it to work, but the battle is then now that I recognize that there's a difference how can I get my heart and mind cleaned out of the junk so that I'm just in agreement with God? Specifically, with his promises, and there's over 3,000 of them. You know, that's the thing, that that's how you renew your mind is you go in the Word of God and you, you look at these promises, specifically the promises that are related to what Jesus paid for in his death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and sealing you with his Spirit. Find stuff related to that and stand on it, even if, it's, even if it doesn't look like that. Even if you think it's impossible for you to be healthy and never sick again, look at it the way God would look at it. You don't have to die sick. I think it would be like Moses. you just 120 years old. You climb up on that mountain, you lay down, you go on home, you know. This whole dying sick thing, you don't have to die sick. You want to die sick? Really? What if God wants you to die sick? Do you want to die sick? 
So it's, 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 it doesn't make sense to us, right? So <clears throat> remember, we're just having a conversation here. I know I'm doing all the talking, but <laughs> we're talking about your life. I'm not trying to convince you to believe that this stuff is true. I'm trying to reach into your heart and turn a switch on that says, I want to experience deep transformation with God. I want to experience what the Spirit of God would bring into my life, and I don't want to hinder it. And I am going to do whatever it takes for me personally to come into agreement with God. Amen? Is, is that your... I hope that's your response. So we need wisdom. We need wisdom. We need, we need a perspective shift. We need, we, we need some information, but it's not just information. You don't need more information. You've got more than you'll ever even know that you know. It's, we need to believe it. So wisdom, I think, teaches us how to see so that we will believe. Wisdom is not just... This is the truth. This is how you live the truth. Wisdom is the filter that you look through, that when you look at something, you look through the way God sees it, and the wisdom will teach you how to see it. The wisdom will retrain your actions. The wisdom may manifest as these are the steps that you take according to what the Word of God says. These are the, you know, if you are, if you are running your mouth too much and a soft word turns away wrath, and maybe you should not be so... Blah, 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 you know, whatever. You look at, you find some specifics, so you can apply those. But more than anything, wisdom is going to retrain. God's wisdom will retrain you how to think. And, and transformation has everything to do with how you think. Because if we've established that his unhindered influence on your life results in heaven, why aren't we experiencing that? It's because we just, we, we, we aren't living according to his wisdom. That doesn't mean you're not doing the right thing. It just means we're not in full agreement with him. So <clears throat> I did the homework assignment that I gave out. I can't remember how long ago it was, but basically it was to go through the book of Proverbs and find passages in there. There were two, really, two homework assignments. One was go through there and find passages in Proverbs that has to do with your tongue, your mouth, what you speak, words, and just see what God's wisdom says about words and speaking and all that. Then we looked at last week, we talked about the difference between information and instruction. Information, see, you get bored in this church if you just come in here looking for information. Because I'm not trying to come in here and teach you a bunch of different new things. You don't need to learn a bunch of different new things. What you need is to believe the Word of God at a heart level and live it, right? So it's not really about information. It's about instruction. Can I take, can you take what's being put out here, adapt it to what works for you, and actually put it into practice and live it out to the degree that you're experiencing transformation? I don't want to come in here. I don't, I don't feel this way, but I don't want you to feel this way. I don't want to come in here and stand here and you think I'm going to church today so maybe Clint will teach me some information and convince me that it's true. 
Now, we don't intellectually think that way, but sometimes I think that's what we think church is. We come in, we detach ourselves, and we sit down, and it's like, he's up there. I'm going to sit here and judge if I believe that or not. I'm going to sit here and determine just how far I'm willing to, you know. He says some things. I don't know about that. You know, he seems like a nice guy. You know what? I don't, I don't see myself in the role of me coming in here trying to give you things to convince you of something. This is, a, this is a journey for me as well. I'm just doing my part so that we will engage collectively in this process of transformation and move forward and be what God has called this place collectively to be and you individually to be as we all be who we be. <laughs> <laughs> Human beings. Let's be. Let's be the church. So let me give you some... You know, having said all that, let me just give you a little information <laughs> to kind of set the stage a little bit about words and, and, and looking at our hearts because out of the heart flow all the issues of life. As a man thinks, or woman, as you think in your heart, so are you. Now take that a little bit further. As you think in your heart, so are your finances. As you think in your heart, so are your relationships. As you think in your heart, so is your health. Now, that's more true than the genetic information you got from your father or your mother or the spiritual information you got because your great-great-great-grandfather was a mason or something like that. As you think in your heart is greater than any of that stuff. As you think in your heart, so is your health. You plug it in. All these areas of your life that you're going to look at, and you're going to look at, and you're going to answer the question, what would this part of my life look like if, God, if I wasn't hindering God? If God could just touch it, what would it look like? Well, as you think in your heart, so is it. That's why it looks like it does right now because of the way you see it in your heart. Praise God, God is bigger than your heart. 1 John 4, 3. God knows everything. And he's willing and able to guide you back onto the path. You are not limited to only the beliefs of your heart because God's bigger than that and can draw you back into what he's got for you. But by and large, your heart is experience. Your life is the result of the condition and generally what you believe you deserve. Y'all okay with that? All right. So let's look at James 3. This right here, what I want to do is this, is, this is, this would be biblical wisdom that my prayer is that it filters into you and it becomes transformational substance for you. You know what I mean? Like you could just look at this and say, okay, well, that's good. That's interesting information. You could take it a little bit deeper and say, okay, if I find myself in that situation, I'm willing to do it God's way. But you then could take it and realize, okay, this is just something that I'm going to create a way of thinking. I'm going to set my mind in this direction. Then I'm going to be open to the Holy Spirit connecting the dots for me. He'll do his part as I'm lining my mind up and my heart up with him. 
so that that transformation is taking place and that exposure of his spirit into this world is not hindered. You see, you see what I'm saying? It's not just information. It's not just this is what I should do. This is I'm aligning myself so that God can freely flow through me. That's what I look at, what we're about to talk about. That's, this is what this is. It's, it's bringing your heart and everything in you in agree, into agreement with God. So we're going to talk a little bit about just the tongue. And I've got a lot of scriptures, and I'll run through them. James, you know, we went through the book of James. James 3, uh, 6, we're going to start in, Adam. We went through James probably a month ago. You know, we, we keep everything up on the website. If you ever want to go forwardchurch.net, click on the, uh, I think it's the media page. And go back and you'll start seeing sermons related to wisdom and James and all that. James 3 says this, James 3, 6, And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it, uh, that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. Some translations say the wheel of life, and it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast, of birds, of serpents, and things in the sea is tamed, has been tamed by mankind, but the tongue. No man can tame the tongue. <laughs> it, is, it is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. It's like, James, man, chill out, dude. Relax a little bit. He's, get, he's getting a little prophetic, yeah, I mean, or poetic, right? Because he's, he's trying to paint the picture of your tongue's important. Specifically, your tongue's important because your tongue is reflecting what's in your heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. As you think in your heart, so are you. Your tongue is a reflection of what you really believe. So here's another aspect of this homework that you're going to do. <laughs> you define this area and what it looks like when God has his unhindered influence over it. Pick one area this week and do this one thing, only speak life and health and truth over that situation. Yes. Are you willing to do that? Just do it as an exercise, you know? I mean, let's, let's, let's not just go to church and say, oh, well, that was a great little sermon, but, you know, hope it's better next week. Hope it's not as long, you know? <laughs> What would it look like? So this is your part, right? You know what it looks like with God's influence. Now, you take your authority, your responsibility, and only speak life over that one situation. Start there. How many of you already know what that one area of life is? Yeah, half of you. Praise God. The other half probably do too. So do that. Would you do, would you do that? I think there will have some interesting testimonies out of that. The more intentional you are about what you say over areas of your life, the more you're willing to see things differently. And, and, and seeing it differently is the scriptural way to experience transformation. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. All right, so, but this phrase here, the wheel uh, the course of nature or the wheel of life is interesting because it has a few different kinds of meanings. It's not just poetic. It's, it can be even physiological. It can be emotional. But what he's saying is uh, 
Well, let me give you a little bit more. The, the, the phrase course of nature in some translations is translated as the wheel of life. And the wheel of life is a phrase that comes from Eastern thought, you know, because these guys were Easterners that wrote this. They had a different perspective than we do as Westerners. Wheel of life is the Chinese uh, medical field uses it in association with the organ systems in your body. Each organ system has a different function, and, and health is defined by how well your organs are functioning in congruence with all your other systems that are going on in your body. That is defined as the wheel of life. The, in other words, the processes that your body goes through to live. Your tongue can set that on fire. The course of nature can be your general emotional state of how you live and interact with people and situations in this world in general. Just the course of nature of how you go. The course of life can be what kind of job you have, the kinds of, you know, it, it, so it's multiple, it's multi-layered in that it's outward in just how you live your life. But even physiologically, your tongue affects every part of your life. Your tongue reflects what you really believe. We're going to get down to Proverbs 18 where it says, life and death are in the power of the tongue. This is really just kind of a different way of saying that same thing. So <clears throat> let's keep going here. Proverbs 10, 11. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life or a well of life, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked or the mouth of the wicked seeks violence or manifests violence. There's different translations here. But the idea is the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. Now, under the Old Testament, righteousness took on a bit of a different connotation. You have spiritual righteousness. Under the Old Covenant, they did not have spiritual righteousness. They had temporary uh, straightness with God. For you, righteousness means spiritually, eternally accepted in heaven because of what Jesus accomplished. He's given you a righteous state of being. For these guys, they couldn't be eternally righteous. So righteous meant they were momentarily straight or right with God. You ever heard that? You got to get right with God. Well, I mean, we hear it all the time. Better get right with God. Well, that's an old covenant thinking of what righteousness is with God. But we hear it all the time. Really what it means is get straight with God. Get in line with God. Be in agreement with God. That's, that's what this word righteousness means. So the person that is in agreement, in line with, or straight with God their mouth is going to be a well of life. It's that picture that when you are in agreement, when you're in alignment with God, what's going to come out is life. You see that? All right. 1720. And if you would do this one in the King James, please, sir. It's Proverbs 1720. He that has a froward, now the word froward means crooked. So like righteous means straight, froward means crooked. He that has a froward heart finds no good. You know, we get these, we read these terms and we, you know, we think, 
oh my gosh, I'm, it's, we think like froward means evil or unholy or whatever, and it just means crooked. In other words, you're not in alignment with God. He that has a froward heart, remember, as you think in your heart, so are you. He that has a crooked heart finds no good. You're not going to find good when you're thinking with a crooked heart that's not in alignment or agreement with God. You're going to look at your relationships. You're going to look at the world. You're going to look at your health, and you're not going to find any good. You ever been in that situation? I mean, you know, it's like depending on how much you're paying attention to geopolitics, it's like you look at what's going on in Russia and Syria and Israel, and you're thinking, oh, my gosh, here comes Russia marching down on Israel, and the Antichrist is coming, and there come the guillotines, and we're all going to be put in a box. And it's like you don't see any good in any of that. Not that I'm trying to say you should find good in Israel marching on, I mean, Russia marching on Syria. That's not the point. But is when you look at the world, where are you going with it? Well, you know, I'll tell you what, the world's going to hell. It's getting darker. It's getting worse. All these gays, all these people, these jihadis coming in. What do you see when you look at the world? Are you looking with a straight heart with God as God would see it with the potentials and possibilities of him influencing it? Or are you seeing it with your old crooked little heart finding no good? Now, the truth is the truth. I understand the stuff's going to happen that's going to happen in the future. But how are you seeing it in light of who you are in relation to what's going on out there? Y'all okay with that? Is your heart in harmonious truth with God to the degree that you can look at the world and still see opportunity for the increase of his kingdom in your life and in the world around you? Or have you just given up and said, hurry up, Jesus, because this, you know, I'm, you know. All right, Proverbs 10, 14. The wise store up knowledge but the mouth of a fool invites ruin. Last week, we talked about the difference between the wise and the foolish. The wise learn from instruction. The foolish pretty much learn the hard way. We think that's what God, God, we think God wants us to be fools because we think God wants to put us through difficulties and, and trials and sufferings to teach us, throw a little bit of asceticism in there, because, you know, after all, you learn patience from suffering, so God needs you to suffer so you can learn some patience. Well, patience is a spiritual fruit. It's a fruit of the Spirit. You cannot exercise a spiritual fruit as the result. Or you, you don't gain a spiritual fruit as the result of doing something carnal. It's spiritual. It's something that's going to come out of you. Yeah, but the trial brings it out of me. Well, it can if you're a fool. Or you can learn from instruction and just walk in what God wants you to have. I get it. I mean, you know, this is a challenge. I hear myself say these kinds of things. It's like, okay, really? I'm just reading the Bible, I think. So Proverbs 12, 18 this is a big one, Proverbs 12, 18. Again, what we're doing here is we're helping you understand the condition of your heart, the focus of your heart, by looking at your words that you speak over these areas. And you're going to pick some areas and only speak life over these areas and observe. Not as a test, not testing God, 
but with the intention of you rearranging what's going on in you about how you see these areas of your life. You see it God's way or you see it the world's way? Are you thinking carnally or are you thinking spiritually? Proverbs 12, 18, there is that speaks like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. Will you flip over to the NIV on that one? The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Your tongue can bring healing. The, the, the tongue of the reckless or foolish is like a sword that pierces, you know. Are your words, is your tongue slashing up different areas of your life or is it bringing health and healing to those areas of your life? Is your tongue jabbing, it like jabbing a sword into the people around you or is it nourishing and bringing life? And we just don't, we don't live intentionally. See, people that are kind of new to the grace thing, they start thinking, well, this sounds like works to me. This sounds like you're putting me back under the law. No, this is just talking about mature discipline and stewardship over the areas that you have dominion so that you come into agreement with, into agreement with God. So, so, Going down to um, Proverbs 24.3, Proverbs 24.3, and then I'll just mention Proverbs 18.20 and 21. We've read it a lot. We talk about it a lot. But life and death are in the power of the tongue, and those that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. If you say that in the, the way that it actually means it, what it's saying is your, you will eat the fruit of what your tongue loves, whether it's life or death. You will eat the fruit of what your tongue loves to give power to, whether it's life or death. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What you believe in your heart is going to come out of your lips, and your life will be filled with the things that, that are in your heart. Basically, what you see, what you believe, what you expect is going to come to you. Not just some new agey law of attraction type thing, you know. But in general, we, we're learning even that this world responds to mankind. So this is where, where I want to go, Proverbs 24, 3. By wisdom, a house or a life is built. So we're talking about building a life here. You're not a victim of God's sovereignty. You are experiencing the life that you pretty much believe that you deserve and have chosen for yourself. Now, to the degree that you are willing to take God at his word and make some internal changes, you can take these limits off and experience the exceedingly abundantly above state of promise and favor that we actually exist in with God to the degree that you will let yourself allow him to establish that into your life. And what we're talking about is wisdom. Wisdom is the, sh the perspective shift to the way God sees things. So when you do that, you will build a house, a life, that, and through understanding, it is established. Verse 4. And look at, the, look at the result. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. 
Building a life based on God's wisdom results in a life filled with beautiful and rare treasures. You know, what, what, what's in your life? Do you, can you look around and, and, and say, well, I've got rare and beautiful? You know, everybody's going to say, my wife is my beautiful rare treasure. I hope that you say that. <laughs> and that's true because we're not talking about things, you know. We're not talking about your 1969 fully restored Triumph Bonneville that screams like a nighthawk the, down the street, you know. I got motorcycles on the brain, so, huh? <laughs> It could be that, but it's talking about relationships, you know. Not how much money do I have in the bank, but how much do I depend on God as my provider? Am I looking at the world carnally, engaged in the economic system, freaking out because the stock market goes up and down, or does that have nothing, no influence over me at all because it doesn't matter. God's my provider. Money serves one purpose. It gets, well, two purposes. (laughs) It gets the things, but all the stuff that you really need, God gives you freely anyway, grows on this planet freely. Money, more than anything, should be used to to shift your heart toward God. Going through Scripture, using your words, uh, you know, being uh, specific about the areas of your life that you want to speak life over is one way. Another way is what you do with your money. Where your treasure is, there your heart is. You go through your checkbook. Where's your treasure going? Is it, it's not bad that you have bills, but are they in proportion to what you're able to do with the money that you have for the increase of the kingdom as well? You know, it's not about how much you give. It's about, is my heart putting the kingdom first in the area of finances? Just like you can stop and look at an area of your life and speak health and life over that, Money shifts your heart more than anything. Money is, is, a, is, the, is the tool, probably more than anything, that will put your heart in, in, in the direction of him. There's nothing magical about it. It doesn't make God say, oh, look at there. They, Kopi wrote a big check today. I, where's that blessing bag? Let me go find that. I owe him some blessing now because he wrote a big check. Big check, big check, big check. <laughs> no, it's like, you know what? My, where my treasure is, there my heart is. I want to make sure my heart is putting the kingdom first. You're not testing God. You're not saying, oh, I wonder if I write a big check. You know, we, it's like we gamble with God. Let me write this big check. And throw, you know, oh, snake eyes, you know. I, I hope you do this. Again, you know, I, I, I don't want to just play church. I don't want to just, I don't, I don't want to just make you feel good and, you know, walk, you walk out of here and think, well, that was some really good preaching or information or, you know, I, what matters to me is are you experiencing transformation? A year ago, what was your life like? Now you've been here for a year. What does it look like now in this area, in this area, in this area? Not because of me, not because of these people, but because of the the degree to which you have engaged in this transformative process at a heart level with God. That's what this place is. And and what's interesting is that's what people want, 
on all levels of Christian experience. In other words, whether they've been a believer for two months or they've been a believer for 25 years, people want, and I hesitate to call it the deep stuff, but I just mean the stuff that's like, yeah, you know, pray. I, I want to take the financial courses. I want to take the courses that help me go through these profiles and learn how to treat my wife better and all that kind of stuff, and we're going to do that. We do do that, but, man, I want, I want you to transform. I want you to leave, not because it's like, boy, I tell you what, that message was life-changing. You ever heard that? Come to our seminar because it'll be life-changing. And then you leave, and then you don't even remember what they said. I want this to be a life-changing process for the people that come in here and, and, and plug in and start walking this journey because we're, we're doing it together, and we need each other to encourage one another, to remind one another. If you notice something that is different about somebody that's good and you see that it's over the last few months, like, you know what, I, you, you look different. I, I've noticed this about you. You know, let's do that for one another. Let's lift each other up and encourage one another. Let's look for areas of good things happening in each other's lives and encourage one another in that. Pick areas of your life that you want to see influenced by God. Find some promises in the Word of God associated with that area of life. Speak those promises over that area of your life. And just start there. And if you catch yourself whipping out the sword of your tongue and wanting to jab at it a little bit, just stop. Just catch yourself. Now, I would say do this with your entire life, but just pick one area to start with. Then maybe next week do the next area. Or this whole year, you know, I don't know. It's up to you. However you want to disciple yourself through this process. You know, you, you take the time to engage in this process of transformation at your own pace, at your own level. But I'd love to hear the testimonies. I'd love to hear some of you come in over the next week and weeks saying, man, I've really noticed this after only speaking life over this area. Now, that's not to say that if you speak something negative that that means you got to freak out and it's like that negative confession is going to ruin it. And You know, I'm not talking about that. Don't get all weirded out if you get a little negative over something. But let's just be intentional to expect God to move in those areas and we're going to come into agreement and let him move. Amen? Father, we thank you. <clears throat> we thank you for your spirit that lives within us. Thank you that you've given us salvation in Jesus. And we do. We intend to steward our minds and our hearts and our lives and our words and the way that we see things and our attitudes and our emotions. We want to steward that so that we are in agreement, in alignment with you. We only want to be in, just like Jesus said, I only want to do that which I see the Father doing and I only want to say that which I hear the Father saying. And I want that to be a subconscious process where I'm not trying to hear your voice. I'm just living out of your leading because I'm in agreement with you. I'm in alignment with you. I'm allowing your light to shine. My heart is not crooked in bending your presence coming into my life. I just want to be an open vessel to allow you for your spirit to pour out of me into my life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, it's almost, it's almost like 
like a, like a flashlight, you know. You, you just let him shine into your life, and all we do is we stick our hand up and block it. But what would it look like if we just, if we just continually let him? Amen. Amen.